podcast meditate with samara the intention of this podcast is to give you inspiration on how you can improve your quality of life and today's topic i believe will really introduce you to a certain understanding about how you can significantly improve your quality of life and today we're going to talk about how we can discover and heal our mind and body trauma and I'm so excited to introduce to you to our guest today. And I just really believe that what he is doing really embodies our topic today. Our guest today is Jordan Hussein. And Jordan is a tree sector combining private, public, and social sectors and technology professional with global experiences. Jordan now coaches ambitious individuals and leaders, especially millennials, on mindful leadership and authentic living. On the side, he dabbles in the ethics of artificial intelligence and advocates for kindness, mindfulness, and mental health at workplaces. Originally from Indonesia, Jordan has traveled to 45 plus countries as well as studied, lived, and worked in 15 cities or nine countries across Asia Pacific, Europe, Middle East, North, and Latin America. His values are fairness, equality, meritocracy, humility, kindness, compassion, gratitude, service, and continuous growth. Also, diversity and inclusion and belonging are part of his DNA, and he co-founded a social enterprise named Sabang Marauke to promote tolerance and nurture diversity in conflict-prone Indonesia. Jordan has won multiple accolades, awards, scholarship, and has the following degrees from Stanford Oxford and Wesleyan. Welcoming to this podcast. Hi, Jordan. Hi, Samara. Hi, Sam. How are you today? I'm feeling good. This is my first time, no, my second time on podcast. This is the first time to talk about something heavy. I'm so privileged that we can talk about this today. I'm really grateful that you're on this podcast. Before we continue, can you probably introduce more about yourself other than what I have shared? Because I'm sure you're, you're so much more than that. Well, my name is Jordan. I'm a conscious, I guess I'm an, I'm an evolving consciousness. Um, by passport, I guess I'm Indonesian, but by um, everything else, I'm just another human being on this planet. But a lot of us like to introduce ourselves with our identity, like achievements, jobs, names, nationality, religious affiliations. Uh, but I'm just a human, so I'm here to share what it me- what it means and what it feels to be human, and yeah, that's me. Thank you for sharing that. There's a certain connectedness to remember that we are all just human beings trying to to grow and evolve together, and that's beautiful. And before we start our podcast, I actually really want to be grateful for you because you suggested that we do a little meditation before we start and I completely agree that this is a beautiful way to start the podcast are you ready for this yes I am guide me to your own meditation yes so I'm thinking of doing a breathing meditation and for our listeners who is listening you can also please join in while you're listening at this moment and to start I want you to find a comfortable position that grounds you you can either sit cross-legged or you can have your feet on the floor if you're on the chair. I'm gonna sink myself down to the earth and ground my feet. Okay. 
that is really good. Grounding to the earth is really, really good. We're gonna try to find a stable and straight spine. So putting your head and or your shoulders and your hips in one straight line. Have a deep inhale here and exhale to relax your body. If you haven't, you can close your eyes. We start this quick breathing mindfulness meditation. Now here we start with taking one deep breath together, inhaling through your nose. Open your mouth and exhale. Two more on your own, breathing deeply. As you exhale, try to release any tension you're feeling. Very good. One more time. Now we're going to continue with a prompted breathing practice. We're going to inhale for four seconds, pause for seven, and exhale for eight. And this is really good to just ground ourselves and relax. So together, we're gonna inhale through our nose for four, three, two, one, pause, two, three, four, five, six, seven, and exhale, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Let's do it one more time, inhaling, two, three, four, pause, two, three, four, five, six, seven, and exhale through your mouth, two, four, five, six, seven, eight, and do this again on your own, inhale, pause, Open your mouth and exhale. And just breathe on your normal pace, letting go of trying to control your breathing and just feeling the sensations of being present. You can choose to put one hand on your belly. Feel the sensation of you breathing. As you inhale, maybe your stomach is expanding. And as you exhale, your stomach is contracting. Letting your mind wander. We're going to continue to count our breath. So on every end of an exhale, count one. And then we're going to count until a cycle of five. Gonna do the first few together. Inhale, exhale, and count to yourself one. And inhale, exhale, two. Take this moment to do until five on your own. Beautiful. Now let's take one deep inhale together. 
Open your mouth and exhale, release. Using a gentle smile on your face. And when you're ready, you can gently open your eyes and come back to the present moment. There you go. Very quick. Welcome back to the matrix. <laughs> How did you feel? I feel good. Thank you. Thank you. I didn't do my meditation this morning because I rushed to the beach to surf. But thank you for the space and the guidance to finally properly breathe our source of life. Yeah, I'm grateful that you are here to share that energy with me as well. So today, coming back to the topic of discovering and healing our mind and body trauma, I'm wondering if you can share how did your journey start from you know the accomplishments that we were talking about earlier as I introduced you towards healing and also being a consciousness human being. Can you share a little bit about that, please? Well, my journey started, um, I guess, if I could reflect even and then take the, the journey even further back, like, it started when I started my journey at Stanford. And then no one really knows about this story except my Stanford friends. I mean, I did my undergrad at my grad school in Stanford in the US. And first year of Stanford, I almost got kicked out from Stanford that I was not achieving enough. I was, I mean, I was part of this like group of people that almost got academically disqualified. And that put into an existential sort of like crisis for me. I'm like, oh my God, I've always been achieving. And how the hell that I'm now, now not achieving anymore. And they almost kicked me out for something that I deserve. And then I had, I went through this like mini depression of like imposter syndrome and anxiety and then this constant um, worry. And um, since then, I start going into meditation. Uh, and I struggle so much. Every time I meditate for just five seconds, my mind just like, whoosh. you know, like for any type A out there who listen to this podcast, you might relate to this, that you cannot even sit and quiet your mind for a tiny second, right? Because we're constantly on this like rush of trying to be ahead of our own presence because we want to go further. We want to keep going, keep going, chasing. And yeah, and then that grounds me. And I start seeing therapists um, because the school told me I should seek a psychological help for my anxiety for being almost academically disqualified. <laughs> um, and then I, uh, the following six months, I had a life coach who started um, guiding me and coaching me towards this journey of discovery of my own self. And since then, I've been just very mindful and very interested in the field of mindfulness. Um, uh, I never really know about healing, really, until last year, uh, when I started experimenting, or not experimenting, when I started benefiting from the power of sacred plant medicine. And plant medicine could be anything, like uh, any plants in this planet are medicinal, you know, like jamu, herbs, uh, type of any kind of herbs, like um, daun kelor or moringa. But there's also the one that's quite substantial, quote-unquote, if I may sort of like bring it up in this podcast, like um, the psychedelic ones, you know, like um, mushroom, uh, peyote, which is the cactus type of plants in the Andean mountains, or ayahuasca, the one that we found in the Amazonian jungle. Uh, I believe that even our indigenous people in Indonesia, like Dayak or any other indigenous tribe, have their own type of sacred herbs to heal and, and to uh, medicate, quote-unquote, uh, any wounds that we have. And people always associate healing with physical healing, but healing actually is more about emotional healing and spiritual healing that usually are manifested uh, in a psychosomatic way in, in the physical symptoms. 
I never had any physical symptoms, knock on wood. I've never been hospitalized, but uh, I feel constant pain and chronic pains all throughout my life. Minor, it's not major, but um, since my healing journey started with, with plant medicines last year, where I started in Costa Rica, uh, the whole healing chapter unfolded. You know, like just I just opened a Pandora box of a lot of things that I never knew and I never am aware of that I am um, increasingly aware of. I don't want to say I'm fully aware because I don't think I've reached that state yet, but I'm increasingly much more aware of what shaped my subconscious mind, my, my mind, my body, uh, my energy, and my predispositions or my subconscious minds. Yeah. Thank you so much for you know, sharing your story. It's just very vulnerable and courageous at the same time to be able to open up to people about the struggles and the challenges. And I believe a lot of people need to hear this so they know that they're not alone. And it's common to have, you know, feelings that can create into anxiety and mini depression and, and chronic yeah. feelings that, that you said. And it's really something that can be symptomatic, but the question is really what causes it, you know, because um, for each person, it could be a different thing. Do you believe there is a, a common line towards what causes, you know, symptoms of, you know, what we have as A-types or recovering A-types of just pushing mm -hmm. through? Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, I'm also glad that I, uh, I'm trying to bring a light to this taboo, right? The unspoken topic of um, the loneliness pandemic of the overachievers right or the the never feeling enough of the overachievers and i think if i could sort of humbly categorize myself i would classify myself as an overachiever like people always like tease me oh my god what else do you want to achieve like if you achieve everything you know and then i realize it's not really it, it is from the objective mindset from the external third point of view it is an achievement but now that i look back and connect the dots it is a coping mechanism it is a defense mechanism to an, an, to an unhealed wound within my body, within my mind, within my subconscious mind. A lot of people, they call it the insecure overachievers, which is the primary target of a lot of like big consulting companies or like iBanking or even tech companies these days, is that there is this um, wound uh, that is still um, fresh and still, um, you know, like um, mired with potential infections you know if i could borrow metaphors and allegories you know like um there is this insecurity about something that is we're never enough that's why we need to keep achieving we need to have more and more and it's not helpful that we also live in capitalistic society materialism where more is good right the more is better but then there is the opposite ideology that the less is better anyway but when you are in this trap when you trap in this like cycle of um insecurity and um never enoughness you never knew what caused that. And I don't know if there is an underlying common theme or red lines or um, about all of these symptoms, but one theme, one theme that I found among all my friends who are healing right now or who are sort of like going to therapy and then sort of seek help in psychology from experiencing burnout, that's a typical sort of like uh, consequences of overachieving is burnout, is that they didn't get the love that they deserve or they needed when they were kids, or they didn't get enough attention, or they were shamed for being who they are. So they need to overcompensate for who they are. That's why for them, achievements is a proxy to give them respect and love and attention. 
And for me, that was my trauma. Like I think achievement is one way to earn love from my parents, from my teachers, from my family members. Um, and it's a coping mechanism to not be punished at home, to not be called stupid, not to be bullied. Um, of course, everyone could suffer from that. You know, they don't want to be stupid, so they study really hard. But not, not a lot of people have developed the capacity and capability to work hard and be smart and achieving. Some of us, evolutionarily speaking, are able to develop that because we also endow with this inherent intelligence that we become overachieving, right? Others slide into depressions or just like have very unfulfilled life or develop other kind of coping mechanism, addictions to a lot of things. And I will talk about addiction later if we, if we may, but I am addicted to actually, I'm addicted to, addict, uh, to achievements. That's my addictions. I'm addicted to workaholism. I am addicted to proving myself that I deserve love and attention and recognition from the people that love me, even though I know they love me, but I just never can feel it how they love me, you know, because I blocked that form of love because my first trauma was not healed since then. And that trauma has been there for like 20 something years. Thank you for sharing. As you speak, and I'm trying to listen to you compassionately and in full body, I can't help but really relating to what you're saying because as words that are coming out as you are explaining your experiences i also used to identify myself as an insecure overachiever i also felt like after listening and understanding a bit more about trauma that we will talk about i realized it came from a childhood experience where i felt i needed to prove myself that with my accomplishments i'm more deserving of love so it's something that is really opening you know my heart and this wound and you do talk about trauma you mentioned it a few times like can you probably scope it for us and what is trauma and maybe what it's not yeah uh, thanks for asking that uh i think there is uh an over appropriation of the word trauma and even some of my friends jokingly call me you know your name could be jordan trauma hussein <laughs> like the past year i've been talking about trauma all the time but that also what got me attention maybe that's your attention as well to speak in this podcast um, but I think I want to normalize trauma, that trauma is not a shame and it shouldn't be stigmatized. Trauma is part of our life. And trauma is a Greek, it's coming from the Greek origin, which means wound uh, or scar. Yeah. And from a lot of research also, that when they study humanity and evolution of humanity, trauma actually is the... Um, the, uh, the sorry, sudden traumatic changes to the environment, it's what drive evolution. So if we can sort of microscopically put that in the context of humans as, as us as an individual, trauma is what evolve us. If we are able to sort of overcome trauma, we are able to evolve further and then we're not becoming extinct. And what I mean by extinction? Extinction means that you are dying prematurely. You're dying out of disease. You're dying, you're dying out of like depression or anxiety or mental health, right? And if you are able to sort of grab and, and, and grip the trauma at its own core, and with your own power, overcome that trauma and heal that trauma, you become a better person. I mean, I don't want to use maybe the word better, but like become a stronger, evolutionary speaking person. Yeah. Yeah. But trauma, if you want to scope it down, anyone can be wounded, especially sensitive kids. I am a very sensitive kid. I feel a lot. I mean, there's even a terminology in psychology called the empath or the highly sensitive person. They call it HSP. And we can be wounded in all kinds of ways. You know, we uh, can be wounded. And then when the wound 
is there and it's not treated, it becomes a scar. And when you have a scar, that part of yourself, and especially when it's emotional wound, it doesn't grow. That's why a lot of us, the overachievers, are disconnected from our own emotions, from our own feelings, our own neuron system. I mean, when I coach my clients, I always ask them, what feelings do you feel right now when you explain me that story? And they all clueless, you know, they don't even know. Wow. I mean, on top of the fact that we are also growing in education, uh, we are being educated in a system that doesn't appreciate emotional intelligence as much. We always want to analyze what's going on outside us, never going on what's inside us, the external phenomenon all the time, never the internal phenomenon, you know? And, and trauma, people always, oh, you have trauma, and then people always associate trauma with PTSD or post-traumatic stress disorder, right? And then they associate that source with like rape or going to a war or losing someone or car accident or losing your parents at the early age or divorce or anything. But trauma can be as little as you fell off a motorbike yeah. and then you heal your physical wounds, but you don't heal your emotional wound. That could be a trauma. Or someone bully you, in, especially now in the online media, of being too fat or too thin or too stupid or too esoteric. And then you don't heal that wound and let it sink into the body and then become a trauma. Because when that happened, it was painful. So I think if I could sort of like graphically visualize it, there is a source of pain happened to us, become a wound. When it's untreated, it become a trauma. I think where, that's where the stage of what trauma can become acquainted with or can become understood. Yeah. And you know, like as the Buddha said, or even any religion said, life is full of pain, full of struggles. So life is definitely is going to be traumatic for any kind of species. And if we don't treat that species, uh, sorry, not species, if we don't treat that wound with gentle care and nutrition and nourishment and love, it become a trauma. Mm -hmm. And now we need to expand our mind and heart to include trauma in all kinds of form. I'm not trying to cheapen the definition of trauma. I'm trying to normalize what is going on in our life on a daily basis. And the more traumas you have, the more inflammation in your body and in your mind. That means you also are going to suffer from higher risk for depression, heart disease, autoimmune disease, anxiety, cancer, tumor, any physical symptoms you can imagine. And this could be research online. You can sort of Google this like into the rabbit hole of like learning about psychosomatic diseases and then all these kind of chronic diseases that happen in our life is because there is this unprocessed emotional and physical pain in the body. Yeah. Sorry, that's like a long-term and longer definition of what trauma is. But I mean, if I don't do that, I think people will just like um, short-term it. You know, they will, they will cut it short into a very sort of uh, too narrow definition. And I want to open the definition a little bit further so we can talk a bit deeper about what trauma is and what could uh, heal uh, those traumas. Yeah, I love that you explain it in the lengthy way because now I get to understand a bit more that trauma is a source of pain. But do you think that pain is objective or it's subjective? Because you, you said, right, that trauma is not just big events. It can be falling off a bike and physical and then emotional. So what do you think about that? Um, pain is always subjective. This, and then even anything that is objective is probably, I don't know, I might be wrong, but I would like to humbly opine that anything that is objective is a result of intersubjective collective agreement. Hmm. You know it's pain because somebody else understood they also feel the pain. This is where connection happens, yeah? So 
pain is definitely subjective initially and conceivably from the initial stage, it is subjective. We can discuss about pain because you and I now understood it is subjectively not pleasant. It is neurologically unpleasant. That's why it's called pain, right? And that's uh, what I think pain is going to be always intersubjective as well. And then it becomes inversely objective, collective pain, any pain. Now, the question is, is it suffering or not? Can you choose not to feel pain? You can. You can identify your mind not to feel pain. This is why there's this whole idea of like a whole movement about, um, you know, like managing your pain through breathing because pain can be, um, what is it called? Can be mitigated with any kind of modalities. I mean, first you can, one modality is a pharmaceutical. You can take a painkiller like ibuprofen uh, um, and any other kind of Panadol, any kind of painkiller, or it can be suited through your own breathing and through your own um, uh, reframing. I'm, I'm talking like a very liberally in the concept of like emotional pain and then physical pain. So now when I do have physical pain, that's my body telling me there's something going wrong with my body and my mind. So I usually now, instead of taking pills or any painkiller, I sit down, I breathe, and then I rest. And usually the body heals itself because that's another thing that we have to, to talk about, self-healing, like how the body heals itself. Um, so yeah, sorry, I think another longer like route and twist about what uh, pain is all about. But pain is part of life. I'm just saying that because it is just part of life. But suffering is your own choice. Yes. Do you choose to suffer or not suffer from the pain? That is a great reminder. And it's very empowering too, because even looking back, I re recognize there are times where I don't uh, really realize I am in suffering and it continues on. And then it takes mm. a certain consciousness and proactiveness to try to heal it, heal pain. And I also want to respond to what you said when you were feeling pain and you just breathe into it. I just learned this new meditation called pain meditation. And when you mm. feel uncomfortableness or tension in your body, just put your focus onto it and it just slowly yeah. it releases it's amazing yeah it's crazy right it right. sounds very woo to some logical people it's like ah oh, that's bullshit because they they got sucked into this like hyper rationality yeah. where everything has to be explained and rationalized by science science is good but i'm just saying science also limited there are many things in life that hasn't been explained by science yet because science is not an ideology it's a process it's methodology it's trying to prove something phenomenal in the natural world with certain type of precision and data, right? But there's not enough data to prove that meditation helps. Now there is. But before that, it's always become or it's always been associated with religious uh, rituals or like um, modalities, yeah? It's never been taken as a, medi uh, as a, as a, what is it? As a medicinal, from, uh, modern, modern science, modern medicine. And now in the U.S., even meditation app headspaces are in are partnering with a lot of like health insurance companies and hospitals to incorporate meditation into the chronic pain uh, alleviation because there's science now to prove that meditation helps in reducing a lot of pain in the body and also to heal yourself. Definitely. Um, yeah. The one that I've read a lot, the research is called like the mindfulness-based stress reduction by John. Yeah, MBSR. MBSR. Yeah. He's the guy who created mindfulness more towards the, the Western society. But anyway, coming back to our topic today, we have discussed and you have helped us understand what trauma is and is not. You normalize that definition. And for our listeners who is still listening at this moment and getting more and more curious, understanding the topic already, 
how can they start to identify what their personal trauma is? Is there any way that we can know it first with ourselves or do we need the help of other people to understand that? Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> I want to make it, like, take it a bit lighter. I mean, usually it happens when um, your friends start, um, I mean, ha- at least for me, like, I never knew I have a trauma. I thought it was like, I was perfect, you know, like n- nothing wrong is, nothing wrong happened with me. Everything is great. Um, but just take an assumption that all of us have traumas. Okay. Just assume that you have traumas. That's how it should start. Because, <laughs> um, because without that, then you need to sort of throw yourself into this rabbit hole of like mindfulness meditation discovery, which not all people are aware of that they should be doing it, which I highly encourage and exhort everybody to do meditation or any kind of mindfulness or meditative work that is going within. Yeah. Um, so to start, just assume that you have traumas because no one, even you, if you are a child of two psychologists and psychiatrists, you probably still have traumas. I have friends who are like a child of like, um, two psychologists. She's very overachieving, very like you know, go get uh, like a go uh, a go getter, very centered, but still have some community traumas because no one left childhood unscathed. Like our and then also for the from the fact that life is just full of pain, chances are we still miss some opportunities to heal those pain from becoming a wounded sort of source of pain or trauma, right? So assume you have traumas, and Usually, the easiest way is to tap into your body, where, in which part of your body you feel the most incessant chronic pain from. I usually feel it from my head, Same. and my neck, and then my hips. Apparently, I have a lot of anger. <laughs> that, and that's the other window for me. I did yoga, and then I started doing yin yoga, which is yeah. much more feminine and more sort of therapeutic and restorative. And I discovered, and yin yoga is associated with like uh, trauma-informed yoga practices, yeah? And I start realizing every part of your body restores all memories. It restores all pains. It restores all emotions. So if you never process and process all emotions in your body, it's, chances are it's still restored there. So touch your body, touch, like, not sort of like in um, erotically, but like touch your body in a more compassionate way. Do the body checking before you sleep or, before, or after you wake up. Touch your body. Like, are you okay? Is this good? Is my neck very stiff? The body doesn't lie. If it's stiff, it's probably, I'm not saying you're traumatized from your neck or shoulders. Probably you are from physical trauma of like typing too long in the desk. But there could be a deeper sort of source of trauma that could still stem in those body parts. Uh, And all body parts correspond with some kind of traumas. Um, And the other thing, look at your addictions. Uh, What are you addicted to? short-term pleasure um, or like substances, alcohol, bulimia, eating, sugar, gambling, sex, technology gadgets, games, work, porn. I'm just trying to put it out there not to stigmatize this because it's time for us to normalize what we're addicted to. I'm, I, I must be honest, I was addicted to, to many of what I just mentioned to you, you know, including achievements and proving myself and working and um, even like uh, obsessing about my body. That's another addiction about like, oh my God, how do I shape this? Because I have a trauma in my head that I'm not good enough. I'm not beautiful enough, right? And addiction is usually, it's a short-term escape. It's a short-term pleasure because the pleasure is, is basically wrapped in, in a form of pleasure as, a, as an escape. 
know, it's camouflage, but mm. we suffer from negative consequences in the long term, and and the inability to get away from them, to give it up, because we keep going back to what we are addicted to, and a lot of us, I can see a lot of young people now addicted to their phones. I am still trying to get away from my addiction through my phone because. If I feel uncomfortable, if or if I'm trying to eat and I feel like I'm eating alone, I immediately check my phone because immediately I I become gratified. You know, there is this instant gratification to run away from this uncomfortable feeling that my body is telling me I have an emotion that I need to process, but I choose to ignore it and I choose to deny it. And that's the other trauma, sort of like discovery that you can do to yourself. Yeah, yeah, that's so true though, especially with the phone and instant gratification. Like, yeah. We can't really be with our minds for just a moment, and mm-hmm. we always feel. Or even before I learned about mindfulness or meditation, if I'm working already full day, and then when I'm taking a break, I'll be looking at my phone. And of course, mm-hmm. that's not really taking a break because I never learned that it's okay to just be. I felt like I had yeah. to do something. And yeah. you know, with especially in yoga, I love that you mentioned it because. With Yin Yoga, you stay in a certain position, opening places in your body that is usually tight um, for mm-hmm. six, seven minutes for a long time. And when I first did it, I was crying. I was doing a hip yeah. open, and I, yeah, I didn't yeah. know what was going on. And my heart felt very heavy, and my throat yeah. was heavy, and I was just tearing. And I was like, "What was? What is going on?" So that is just me adding a little bit of experience where. I couldn't rationalize what was going on. It was purely experiential, and then I did ask the teacher afterwards, like, "What the hell did you just do to me?" Yeah. <laughs> but then, but then I realized, oh yeah, you have stored a lot of your emotions in your fascia, this connective tissue, over time, and it's stored in certain body places that is still. So for people here who are working on their laptops, most of the time it's it's on our hips because we sit a lot, or our shoulders. Yeah. You mentioned, you know, you do a lot of that. So yeah. relieving it with whatever it is, maybe yoga or something, it could it could right. definitely help and recognize what you're feeling. So thank you for mentioning yeah. that. Right. No, I, I I can only relate. I can count how many times in my fingers that I don't cry in Yin Yoga. Yeah. I just what the fuck? Like what happened to that <laughs> sort of like pigeon pose or like stretching uh, your uh, your spine? And I start crying, you know, or not crying, just tearing up. <laughs> Because I release something. Because the connective tissue, I told you again, like it restores all kind of emotions, all kind of pain, all kind of memories. And when it's being rehabilitated in the physical therapy, which is Yin Yoga, it heals itself. You don't need to even name it with, or narrate it with any story. You can just let it be released. But if sometimes now I reach to a level that when I do Yin Yoga, I know what I'm releasing from because I've reached a stage where I'm becoming so conscious about what pain me. But I just don't know enough. I I don't have immediate capacity to heal it. I just store it, and then I like, oh my god, it's so heavy. And then I do Yin Yoga, and I know immediately got released in the body. Right. And I think the goal is to immediately, you know, become a constant awareness of our own mind and body. Right. I mean, I'm still on my own journey. We all are. We are just walking each other's home. That's what Ramdas said. This like spiritual guy. But you know, that's what the Yin Yoga does to you. And the other thing that you might want to discover trauma from is, uh, if we can go to a bit of subtle and subliminal, is this autopilot responses. You know, 
because most of the time, 90% of the time, we are on autopilot. The way I sit, the way I pick my nose, or the way I eat, the way I ride my motorbike, the way I drive, the way I shower, it's all on autopilot. It's good. That's what the body is learning to do because it just take away the, the cognitive burden to, to keep this making a decision. But then there is also a cognitive autopilot that is not serving you anymore. For example, when you got triggered by something, you immediately got angry or you got sad or you got jealous or you got insecure. You shouldn't. As a healthy, whole human being, you shouldn't feel triggered all the time. You should, I mean, you are, you are, it's normal to feel triggered, but you shouldn't feel, you shouldn't be reactive. And that's the other subliminal thing about trauma existence in our body and our mind. That, and also overthinking. That could be another manifestation and permutation of the subliminal trauma in the body and in the mind, or even like um, inability to, um, you know, like, you know, some people say some people get really really fat or get really really skinny because it's actually a defense mechanism to a certain trauma in the past. I mean, I've watched this episode on Netflix on unwell, and there is an episode on tantra, and there is this dude who's a big freaking obese guy, and uh, we the show showed that like he was building his defense and wall and coping mechanism because he was abused sexually by people by his family i forgot family member and the way he unconsciously and subconsciously defended himself is to become bigger and to become fat to not be abused again you know that's very unconscious i mean i didn't know that it could manifest in that way but you know everything if we examined very deeply and deeper you can probably source some kind of trauma in the in the subconscious mind. Thank you for yeah. acknowledging also that trauma can be healed not only cognitively but also with our body. And yeah. with that, I'm wondering one of the last questions I, I would like to ask you because of the time, I would love to talk to you more about this. For our listeners who is listening now and again continuing to be inspired and maybe self-reflecting while listening to this, how would you recommend for them to practically start on their own journey towards healing, whatever they're experiencing? I think, first of all, and this is what I'm learning as I, as I speak, is to give space, to give space to rest, to be. Because a lot of times we cannot do this and we cannot commit to our own healing. It's because we are still trapped in the system that keeps chasing us, that keeps asking us to be productive to keep doing, to keep going. No, you are not a human doing. You are a human being. There is a whole reason why we are called human being. You are just a being. The whole idea of doing, 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 is a new invention from industrial revolution, from capitalism, that because we are now defined by our own productive capacity, right? Now I'm consciously unlearning that path and I encourage a lot of people I mean, hopefully you can also build financial safety net and financial security and freedom to allow yourself to have a space to heal yourself. Or if, if you are not financially able to do that or not in whatever way capable of do, uh, having space to heal, just take some space in the weekend or any sort of like space. If it's a break, a break, take that break to just sit with yourself. I did it with, I, I, st- I mean, if I could retrace back now, I start really reflecting inward when I did a one-week meditation, no, isolation retreat, a solitude retreat in Sacramento, in, in a forest in, in California by myself in Thanksgiving break three years ago or four years ago. Yeah, three years ago. 
uh, and oh my God, a lot of subconscious things surf manifest to the surface. And that's where I start realizing, oh my God, I have a lot of pain and I never really acknowledged that I have pain. And I remember like last year when I turned 30, like I, I prayed to the universe and to God that please give me uh, peacefulness like um, and tranquility and inner internal validations as, as a pathway to live my life. And immediately I got into plant medicine and healed myself. I mean, be careful what you wish for because the universe really listen to your prayers. Yeah. Um, but get, again, start with a permission, a permission to let yourself be healed. Because a lot of time we blame and guilt ourselves for even healing ourselves. Because when you're healing, you will not be able to produce anything, trust me. Last year, when I started my healing journey for six months, I cried every day and I had to take one month off of sabbatical from my work just because I couldn't help myself but crying since I discovered my own trauma through the help of plant medicine. And since then, I started looking for professional help like therapists, hypnotherapists, healers, psychi uh, coach. Uh, and then I continue by my own by doing meditation and yoga now and also find a community that are like-hearted. Not only like-minded because... A lot of people can talk about it intellectually and cerebrally about trauma, but they never practice it. And then they just like probably can gaslight or like sideline or ignore or undermine or underestimate or underrate your trauma because they work on their mind only. But find people who have the same heart frequency for to be with you and accompany in your journey of healing. And it will probably will also happen naturally. I start attracting people who are healing themselves and then start reaching out to me. That, hey, you know what you say resonate. I'm so glad you said that. And I start building this community or like a network of people that like are healing themselves. But you also, you need to be vulnerable about it. And, and if it's too expensive or too effortful for you, or this is just too, too much resource taking for you, just start with reading, meditation, and journaling. Start writing what you feel. And that's where you discover, oh, that pain is actually rooted in this memory or this event in my life in when I was four or five or 17 or 16 you know, like it will start revealing itself. Thank you for sharing all of that. I wish I knew this early on in my life. You know, no, that, don't, don't regret that you wish you knew this earlier. You are in your own journey <laughs> that it is the time right now for you to do this. I mean, I, I had the same regret. I'm, oh my God, I wish I knew <laughs> that I had this trauma, blah, blah, blah. No, Jordan, you have to go through that pain to understand now it makes sense why you did that, right? Um, I'm just trying to normalize late discovery you know or like people always say oh you're a late bloomer i'm not late bloomer it's just my time and i need to i think we need to stop this societal conditioning by this age i should be this by this age i should be that no we are on our own journey individual unique path never compare ourselves be grateful that it's happening to you right now or you're learning something new that is on your benefits never compare because that will give you the freedom to even go further and never feel bad about yourself because that's the other thing, you know, that's also subconscious, right? I'm just yeah. calling you out that you're subconsciously yeah. feeling not good enough, that you are not early enough to understand this. No, there you, you go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm excited. <laughs> this is totally like the podcast you told me to listen to. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Yeah, yeah. I love that you point yeah. out because it helps me understand as well. So... See, I mean, so if you you're not you're probably not aware of that, right? Like that's a predisposition. You're probably on autopilot. Probably when someone shares something perceivably more superior than you, you immediately feel insecure and feel not enough. And that shit, I should have not known that for uh, earlier. Yeah, I felt that way, 
And I'm just, I stopped feeling that way. Because, I mean, I went through my own coaching and therapy and I went through a lot of shit, but I, for someone who has gone through that, I'm just calling that shit out of you. That <laughs> be aware of that, you know, like we are, I mean, I probably have that too. I don't know. It, it manifested in different ways, but this is a journey of evolving consciousness. This is why I, how I sort of introduced myself as well. I'm an evolving consciousness. The more I meditate, the more I go inward, the more I'm conscious and aware of what is shaping me and, and driving me. And a lot of it comes from pain, mm-hmm. not from love. I'm so grateful that we're having this conversation. My heart's just really open to me. Like, second by second, with, with more insights coming in. And you're right. You know, yeah. this, this learning came at the right time. And because you also shared many things on your social media about your own journey and your way, you know, saying it to the universe it attracts like minded people. And I'm just glad that we are able to have this yeah. conversation and being able yeah. to have other people to listen to this and maybe start their own journey as well. Thank yeah, you. You're welcome. My pleasure. Thank you for inviting me to this podcast as well. Uh, yeah, you're welcome. And to finish off this podcast, I want to do something a bit lighter because this conversation is a lot, a lot to process. And maybe yeah, for people who are listening, it's just, it's not going to come to you naturally right now, maybe another time when your mind is wandering and you're like, aha. But anyway, let's take it up into a lighter notch and maybe breathe first. Yeah, let's breathe. Let's breathe. Exhale. Wow, that's a lot. That's heavy. Yeah. I feel my body's tensing. Mm. All right. Carry on. Let's carry on. Keep calm and carry on. Yeah, keep <laughs> calm and carry on. So we're going to do a quick fire round where I am going to say certain words that I believe resonated to you as I look into more of your social media and your sharings Mm -hmm. and your messages and you can say either a word or a sentence that pops up if it's possible to just say it as quick as possible Mm -hmm. so we're gonna catch your subconscious mind now it's gonna be a return (laughs) okay play the game let's go first word consciousness soul Second, kindness. Human nature. Mm, Perfect. Number three, harmony. Unity. Just going to take that in. (laughs) It's going to be great. Uh, Fourth word, (laughs) gratitude. Daily practice. And the fifth, acceptance. Healing. So great. Thank you so much for <laughs> You're welcome. Subconscious. Uh, partially subconscious stories. <laughs> no, I think I have rewired my subconscious to now reframe that Freudian slip or whatever, like the popcorn style to become more empowering. Um, before, probably I have different answers. <laughs> it's a journey. It's definitely a journey. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah, yeah. So for our listeners yeah. who would like to get to know you better, follow your work, or even work with you and the things that you offer, um, can you recommend where our listeners can go to follow you? Yeah, I have my Instagram handle. It's called Coach J. Hussein. C- Coach as in C-O-A-C-H. J. Hussein is J-H-U-S-S-E-I-N. Uh, I mean, it's a spinoff from my own Instagram account, which I have had for like nine years. Now I'm trying to make a more conscious account. So I can share more conscious content and more evolving 
content about humanity and then healing. And also, it's also the source of my, uh, I guess, sharing about my coaching practices in leadership coaching and life coaching. I do offer life coaching and leadership coaching to people who want to uh, live more authentically and then lead more mindfully and inclusively. Um, so I'm trained in organizational and executive coaching. Um, I'm on the pathway to become an internationally accredited associate coach. And then it's similar to like any kind of professional um, um, pursuit or endeavor uh, is that I'm already like in hundreds of hours of coaching. And I also did coaching in my previous job. I will launch a website soon in, in January about my own sort of individual coaching and group coaching. Um, and that will be have a website. Right now I'm still like, I have this like subconscious blockage of not wanting to launch a website. I don't know why I'm still investigating and inquiring within, like why I'm so, you know, like perfectionist about this website. It's my own healing right now, but I have a commitment and intention to sort of launch this uh, by the end of this year. Um, so I had to have it more structured and much more beneficial for people who are going to take um, benefit from it. Uh, and if you want to start healing yourself, uh, start with permission of, for, to, to have space to heal. And start with meditation and then be an awareness of your own sort of predisposition and subconsciousness and tendencies, you know. And seek a therapist. Uh, I think we need to start normalizing, you know, like seeking professional help for our own healing. Uh, I don't heal people, but as a coach, I use a lot of healing modalities and um, technique to spot a light uh, on that source of pain and then use that to empower yourself and lead Turn, turn around the narrative to empower yourself so you can move forward. That's what a coach does. The coach usually empower and then it's more action oriented. Healer usually holds space for you and then, you know, heal the wounds. Uh, and then start journaling and also find your own tribe, you know, discuss this from an open heart, from a like, with a like-hearted friends. Um, and, you know, what you need is just, you know, an ear and shoulders and soul to listen to your story and your pain and hopefully turn that into and transmute that into an empowering narrative for you. Uh, and if you want to read more, there is this phenomenal author named Gabor Mate and Bruce Lipton and Joe Dispenza. I highly recommend these uh, people. And also, if for more practical stuff, listen to Brené Brown, a woman who's trailblazing the field of research and vulnerability and connection. Uh, I definitely benefit a lot from her, her videos and teaching and books. Um, so yeah, I mean, unfortunately, we don't have that in Indonesian yet. Uh, I wish that more Indonesians can have access to this because as a developing country, we also suffer from collective trauma from colonialism and a lot of other shit that happened in our country. But for all the global citizens out there, and these are the renowned experts that I've been tapping my uh, knowledge from. Uh, and I hope you can sort of benefit as, as, as I much as I do as well. And also another guy, Eckhart Tolle, New okay. Earth, and um, what's the other one? Uh, the Power of Now. The Power of Now. The Power of Now, yeah. 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 Thank you so That's much. That's it. You're Gorgeous. welcome. I really Pleasure. appreciate your space and your energy and your wisdom trying to help us, me, myself included, very much so, to understand this phenomenon that is so important in shaping our life from our thoughts, emotions, behaviors, and where we are at today. And I hope that the listeners also appreciate you as much as i'm appreciating you right now because genuinely this has been a really spotlighted conversation towards the things that are important so thank you so much jordan you're welcome my pleasure my pleasure 
Thank you so much for everyone who has been listening. I hope that you have any inspiration, then you can write down um, probably key points and takeaways that Jordan have discussed with me. And you can share it through our social media handles at Samara Farana or at Coach J. Hussein. And share this episode to someone who you believe needs to hear it and share the love and connection. Thank you so much. Hope everyone is good and well. Namaste. Namaste.